Hey guys, this is Jeff Stanick with Figured Out Baseball. Got a really good Figured Out Baseball podcast today for you. We're being joined by Steve Appel, who is the head coach and athletic director at the University of the Southwest and NAIA school in Hobbs, New Mexico. I'll give you a little background on Coach Appel before we jump into questions with him. And this is a, it's a good one today because we're getting to talk to an athletic director in addition to a baseball coach, which, which I think is kind of cool in, in an area that I've kind of wanted to get into a little bit. Uh, he's from Socorro, New Mexico. He played collegiately at Fort Scott Community College, a junior college in Fort Scott, Kansas. He finished his playing career at the University of Bridgeport, a Division II school in Bridgeport, Connecticut. He started his coaching career at the University of Bridgeport, where he was there from the spring of 2007 through the spring of 2009. That 2009 team finished with a 3.25 team ERA, which was good enough for sixth in the country. He got his master's degree while at the University of Bridgeport in counseling, which is something, again, we might get into in a little bit, just because it's an interesting uh, an interesting major and something I'm sure... Um, that he uses as a as a baseball coach. In 2010, he was an assistant coach at Oklahoma Panhandle State, a Division II school, obviously, in Oklahoma. And then after one year, he took over the head coaching duties at Oklahoma Panhandle. He was the head coach there from 2011 through 2014. In 2014, of June of 2014, he was hired to be the head coach at the University of the Southwest, where he's been since. At the University of the Southwest, he's compiled 125 wins. The 2019 team won 30 games. That was the third most in school history and the most in 15 years, most since 2004. He has uh, overseen at the University of Southwest the largest donation in school history to the baseball program, which was used to build and remodel baseball facilities such as they got a new indoor hitting facility, they up they got an upgraded playing surface, a new fence, uh, renovated grandstands, new backstop, padding, new netting, a lot of good stuff happening on the playing field. Off the field, the team has had a 3.0 GPA or better each of the last three years. Uh, really good stuff that Coach Appel has going on at the University of Southwest. And a coach, we sincerely appreciate being on the podcast today. Good morning, Jeff. Thank you. So typically... Um, I like to start with something from the from the bio that stands out, and there are several things, several places I like to start with you, or I could start with you, but the first one is uh, just kind of curious how uh, a New Mexico native who played in Kansas ended up finishing your career in Connecticut and beginning uh, your coaching every, career you know, as well. Everyone always asks that question, you know, and and you know the honest answer is is, is you know at a very early age I knew I wouldn't be on on Sports Center, you know, playing. You know, so for me, it was it was more about the experience of of seeing the country and, and seeing something different that I wasn't used to. Um, and actually, my my parents are both from Northern New Jersey, um, so you know, an opportunity came, you know, uh, to go up to Connecticut and play, and and I went up there to visit, and it was something that was different. Um, it was something that that I was intrigued to, and and. You know, it's where I where I finished up and where I started my coaching career. So it's 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 definitely a place that uh, you know I haven't been back in many years. But um, you know, Coach Ankalari, who took me in as a player, um, you know, I still talk to him on a regular basis. He's still a, a big role model for myself, and uh, um, you know, it's a program that you know I've I've always been part of programs that. Um, we're in the rebuilding process, and that was another one there, and, and it was fun to be a part of something um, that I think is still going on over there right now. So um, that's how uh, you know the, the short end of the story of how I got there. It was uh, again, I was closer. I got to I got to see some some family that I that I didn't really get to see on a regular basis. Um, you know, I got to hang out with my cousins, which is you know being out in New Mexico is is was really tough. You know, maybe you see them every once every three four years, but you know, it was nice to be able to have Thanksgiving over at their house rather than, you know, uh, being at being on campus by myself. So um, it, it definitely was all about the experience for me. When you were looking out there, being that it was so far from home, although you, you had family there, so I'm close, you know, close by. Um, but even though you're, you're moving pretty far across the country, um, going to a school that you probably – didn't know anything about before you started the recruiting process. What about that school or the coaching staff or what you heard from them made you believe that that was the right fit for Steve Appel to uh, to finish your playing career? You know, I've, I've always been a big believer in, in meeting somebody face-to-face and, and getting a good read on them. Um, you know, Coach Ank, I mean, he, 
I mean, he played the corners. You know, I was a corner. Um, you know, what he spoke about, you know, from, from a hitting aspect, um, that, that was intriguing to me. Um, you know, and he was, he just seemed like a coach that, that cared and he, he seemed like a coach that, you know, believed in what I could do, you know, and that's, I guess that's the hard part. And I guess that's what I've kind of transitioned as being the coach now is, you know, you see things in kids and you, and, and, you know, you just want to be honest with them. Um, but there was, there was things that I believe that, that he could do for me, not even on the baseball field, but just in life. And, um, you know, it worked out. I mean, that's, it's always how I've been. You know, I, I even recruit that way. I want kids to be able to see campus. Um, you know, it was important for me to take the 28 hour, you know, long haul over there to, to see the campus and, and, and see the people. Um, but you know, it's just a general, you know, idea about the campus. I mean, it's, it's right on the Long Island Sound. It's, it's, you know, so you have, you have the water there. Um, you know, the other intriguing part was that we got to play in a, in an independent, you know, baseball stadium. You know, at that time it was the Bridgeport Bluefish and I don't think they're playing there anymore. Um, but being able to play in a, in a stadium like that, you know, to finish up your career is, it's pretty cool. You know, back then, you know, that was, you know, it was it was much different than now. You now you have all these turf fields and this this money going into things. And but back then it was, um, you know, we had a little practice field on the Long Island Sound, but our, our home games were were an independent baseball you know stadium. It was it was pretty uh, pretty neat, pretty interesting. That's pretty cool. And uh, I know that there are a number of baseball teams that that do that. College baseball teams that share with some sort of a pro team. I know in my area there are several teams, uh, Penn State. Well, I think Penn State just dropped their affiliation, actually, but Penn State and West Virginia both played at uh, at pro parks that they shared with uh, short season teams. That right. obviously the short season teams don't start their seasons until after the college season's over. That's that's a really cool thing to be able to play in a stadium like that. I think, and it just brings a whole different level of atmosphere. Sure. Um, what did your experience in the Northeast? What did you take from that as far as just? Um, Maybe any, any lessons you learned on the baseball field or just from the coaches or just from, you know, being in, in a cold weather environment uh, compared to where you are now? Uh, any any lessons that you learned from that or anything, any takeaways from that that, that are still kind of that still kind of live with you as a head coach now coaching in a in a much warmer climate, just a, a different a much different baseball environment altogether? Yeah, you know, from a baseball aspect, you, you have to get pretty creative. Um you know, again, the, the cold weather is, is something that, A, I don't miss it. I don't miss the cold weather, not one bit. Um, but, you know, from a, from a throwing aspect, you know, you've got to, you've got to be able to long toss into a net. Um, you've got to, you've got to rehab your body a different way. You've got to, I, there's so many elements that go into it. it. It's, you know, bundling up. If you, if you have a chance to go outside and, and throw with, without there being, you know, 12 inches of snow on the ground. You bundle up and, and you learn how to long toss and, and um, you just learn how to be creative. Um, you know, it, 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 it has its challenges. Um, but then again, you know, at the same time too, is, you know, your, your season is shorter. Um, you know, we wouldn't usually go down to Florida until probably later February, early March. So uh, your season was condensed into two and a half months, you know, theoretically. So, you know, if, if people can do that out there, People should be able to do that anywhere. Um, you know, here you, you take what you learn there from a creative mindset and put it to play. Um, so I think we have, the, again, you know, any Southern team will have the advantage over a Northern team any day because they're, they're outside more and, and they're playing more. Um, so again, it was a, it was a little bit of a challenge and that was kind of, I guess the thing that I, I always enjoyed was you always love proving people wrong, you know, and, Especially when I got into into coaching out there, and that's why I overseen the, the pitching staff out there. Is you know we could always hit out there, but you know our pitching staff was, wasn't there yet. Um, that was something that I really wanted to to strive to make that university better. Um, was if we could pitch it, we should be able to win a lot more games. Um, you know, and again, it was it was doing all the things I said. You know, we. We got very creative. We used the pool that was inside the, the recreation center. I mean, we, we ran, you know, inside the water. We didn't swim. Um, so we trained our bodies differently. Um, you know, we were able to long toss into nets and, and, and really focus in. That's the hard thing is that when you're not outside and you're not playing, 
it's really hard to to fine tune all those small details that you really have to fine tune in order to play somebody. So a lot of challenges, a lot of challenges that the lifestyle is, is, is quicker out there. Um, you know, I don't think people sleep out there. So I, I, do, <laughs> I, I do, I do enjoy that aspect of being out here is that, you know, um, you know, six, seven o'clock, the town definitely quiet, quiets down a little bit. And, um, I, and I don't have to sit in rush hour traffic. You know, I lived, I lived 14 minutes away from campus, you know, in my last year there. And it, you know, some days it would take me 45 minutes to get to school. And I said, man, this is, this is brutal. So I don't miss that. I don't miss the traffic. I don't miss the cold. Um, but there are a lot of things that, that I took away from the Northeast that, uh, that are still instilled in me to this day. You said that you have, um, wound up being a part of rebuilding teams almost everywhere that you've been is that is that something that is just you're naturally attracted to or is that kind of coincidental uh, i love it i think that's what's instilled in me um you know again starting off with bridgeport with the staff you know that was that was my big thing is is i wanted to get the staff you know on an upward trend um you know the challenge at oklahoma panhandle i mean the facilities when i got there absolutely terrible uh the team you know the program the demeanor um wasn't in great shape um you know and obviously usw when i first got here uh it, it wasn't on an upward trend either um it's something something that i've loved being a part of i love the challenge i mean even even when i first started at fort scott i mean um you know my first semester there i got to play for for coach laroche who's you know Big time, you know, ex major leaguer who was known for the law pitch, um, but it was a program that that wasn't very successful until we were there for a couple of years, and and you know, seeing the trend, you know, go up. So it, it's something that I've just been a part of, um, not because it's by coincidence, just because it's I enjoy embracing challenges. Uh, I, I enjoy, you know, people doubting. You know, the places that I've been, people doubting me. Uh, you know, I'm an old school blue collar type of guy. You know, my father, he taught me, taught me well at a young age and, and I worked a lot, you know, in, in, in the construction world. My father's electrical contractor. And, you know, he just taught me how to work. And he kind of instilled that stuff in me is, you know, everybody will always doubt you. And, and, you know, and, and that's life is, is that you have to embrace that and, and, and work to strive to, to be a better person, be a better man, um, be a harder worker. Um, because, you know, all those things, you know, you can have all the talent in the world. And you've seen a lot of talented places, um, but they just can't put the wins out there. Well, it's, it's because of the ethic. You know, it's the work ethic. Um, so it's, it's something that, that is that I enjoy, you know, being a part of. Um, you know, people always joke, hey, coach, you know, what happens if, you know, someone were to give you a turf stadium and this and that? And I said, I don't know. I don't, you know, I enjoy cutting grass. I enjoy edging fields. Um, I, I, some sort of me says I might be bored. You know, I, you know, I've never been in a program that is fully funded. And, you know, even now as an athletic director, there's, there's ways to do things. Um, there's always ways to beat the system in a, in a positive way, not cheating the system, but beating the system. Um, you just gotta work hard, and I'm a I'm a worker. I show up early to work. I leave late. I'll be the first person with a rake and a shovel in my hand. Um, if that's if that's what sort of leader I'm supposed to be, then I'm gonna do it. So, um, I enjoy. It. I don't know. You know, I don't know what it's gonna be like. You know, in in 15 years, you know, maybe I will get to a program that maybe has some more success. But I think that'll be a little different. I don't know if I'd enjoy it as much. So, um, I enjoy the challenges in life. I think that's such an interesting thing, and I love talking about it because that's that's the kind of coach that that I was. I mean, I didn't necessarily want to seek out as a, as an assistant, especially. I didn't necessarily want to seek out a rebuilding program, just because sometimes you don't always know what you're getting into as an assistant. I wanted to be. Uh, my first couple of jobs, I wanted to go to a winning program. I wanted to win from that, you know, or learn from them. You know, I wanted to um, just figure out how to do things right and and how to how to have success in a program. But once I caught on with a coach that I, um, you know, he and I 
ended up coaching at several schools together and, and we took over multiple teams that sort of needed to be rebuilt and I got to a point where I like you like I, I loved it I, I really I loved it and I was I wanted to do it and now if I if I were to go back and coach again I think I would be like you I, if I if I decided to get back into college coaching I don't know that I would I think I'd be more eager to either start a program from scratch or to you know go somewhere that's really struggled and sure. turn them into a winner because I think I could do it I think I've got you know an idea of how to do that but on your end like what is what is the recipe to do that you you've mentioned hard work for you um, but what about like for your your assistant coaches and for your players you know what is the what is the blueprint what is your plan what are some uh, absolutes when you take over a program that is in that condition like if you know for us to turn this around this needs to happen with the players this needs to happen with the coaching staff you know with recruiting whatever it is like what, what is it for you that sort of that sort of uh, is the blueprint for this sure you know i think i think in life everyone and especially in coaching you know everyone always looks at the negatives right you know they, everyone just points out the negatives but no one, no one wants to talk about the positives. And I think it, it, it starts with that is, is that no matter where you're at, there's always something good about that place. So for me, it's, it's finding kids that, that want to be here and enjoy being here. You know, and, and just like coaches, it's, you know, we, I've done really well here at USW with having coaches that, that come in here as, as grad assistants. I mean, Coach Jarreau, who's been with me for now the last handful of years, I mean, he came in as, as a GA, and, and now he's my full-time assistant. Um, you know, and, and I think what I've tried to instill here is, is I've got a bunch of coaches that, that want to be here, and they want to improve the school, and, and they're in, they enjoy being here. Uh, and just like myself, you know, uh, when I first got here, everyone said, oh, you'll never be able to do this. You'll never be able to do that. You'll never be able to do this. Well, you're wrong. You know, if you have the right mindset with anything that you do, you can do that. Um, and, and it's, and it starts with the kids. It's, it's, you know, when I first got here to USW, we had a handful of kids that, that didn't like being here. Uh, you know, and I said, well, why, why do you want to be here if you don't want to be here? <laughs> and, you know, I always use this expression to the kids. They, they, they always, you know, they, they call them appellism. And they, they, you know, they, I'm sure kids have wrote, written books, um, which is, is fine. Um, but we always tell them, hey, if you, if you don't want to be here, there's the gate. You know, anytime you can walk out that gate and there's no hard feelings. Um, we want kids that, that want to be here for the right reasons. And that's, that's, you know, really it, um, is that you find the kids that want to be here, the coaches that want to be here, you surround yourself that, you know, with people that want to help you. Um, and I think no matter where you go, you can, you can build. Um, you know, just like a panhandle. I mean, I, odds were against us. Um, you know, and and I I've learned a lot from Panhandle State, uh, just because that was a place when I first started that we literally had nothing. Um, we had one and a half full scholarships. We were a Division two school competing in, in the Heartland Conference with St. Mary's and St. Ed's perennial powerhouses. Um, and when I first got there, is let me bring in some guys, but then I realized that's when it clicked. Is wait a minute. You know, I've got to be able to groom kids, and I've got to be able to have kids that want to be here. Uh, because, again, Panhandle was out in the middle of nowhere. You know, close to Walmart was 10 minutes away. Um, there wasn't anything to do. So you, you, you wind up giving the kids something to do and, and giving them something to be proud of. And, again, I brought in, I think my second year second year there, I brought in probably about 25, 28 freshmen. And I, and I was real upfront with them. I said, you guys are going to get your butts kicked, but you're going to learn together. You're going to grow together. You're going to mature together and you're going to start to build this place. And, you know, obviously we started competing more. Uh, I truly think if I would have stayed there, you know, that team probably would have been in, you know, an above 500 team. Um, by the time those kids were seniors, you know, you started to see things click. And, uh, again, you always learn lessons from, from things that are that, that have gone on, um, it's it's not something that's easy. But again, I always tell our kids this: you know, a man is is, is someone that that confronts problems. They don't run away from problems. Um, there's there's always things that are going to happen to you in, in life in a negative way. Uh, it's our jobs as men to overcome that adversity in life. Um, and, and that was, I mean, we had less talented kids, uh, kids that were probably overlooked in high school just like myself, 
Um, you know, and, and we've done it here as well. And again, we haven't we haven't won you know as many games as we have here at USW based on solely on talent. Uh, we've found kids that want to be here, want to build this program, want to build it within, uh, just like our facilities. It's it's not people coming here and doing the work for us. It's us welding up fencing. It's 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 us pouring concrete, you know, on our backstop, and and it's us, you know, pouring concrete in our bullpens. Um, it's us that is that have that have done the work, and to me, that means a whole lot more than than someone just giving you something. So. Uh, life in life, nothing's nothing's ever just given to you. It's all earned. So um, that's what it takes. It's it's really hard. It, it's 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 tough. And um, sometimes there's there's a lot of heartaches. There's more. I always tell our kids, there's more bumps in the road than there are paved alleys. And that's the truth. You know, I don't see any garbage truck going down an alley that's paved. You know, they, they're always going down a, on a dirt road. So and it's got bumps and rocks and holes and craters and you know it. So you know if if you can have your team that understands it and you have a coach you have a coaching staff that understands it, you can build it. I love that. I love the analogy and love just the uh, the way that you talk to your players. I think that um, you know that's unique, and I don't think there's a lot of guys that that do what you do and do it how you do it and. Um, you know, again, just the way you talk with your players, uh, and you know, things like that are just really interesting to me. I apologize for some of the background noise, but we got a snowstorm today in Pennsylvania, and where I normally uh, record my podcast, we've got some plows that are nearby. So I'm just going to move somewhere else. I hope you'll stick with me as I'm as I'm moving around here. But um, but no, the uh, one of the things that I I wanted to ask is that as your you're recruiting guys, um, recruiting players to places that you know haven't traditionally won or or just, or haven't won recently, and and you're there as a new coach trying to really kind of start something, not necessarily start something new, but but really kind of start something from scratch in a way, and and um, you're trying to do some things that have not been done before or haven't been done recently in these. Um, it, at these schools, so I guess one of my questions for you is: When you're at a school like you been, like you have been, where you just don't have a whole lot um, going on there, you haven't had a whole lot of success. You there, and, and again, you're trying to start something new and do some things that haven't been done before. What exactly are you selling these players? Like, how do you? What are you saying to, to get some players in there? Because obviously you can't turn it around without some level of talent. So what exactly are you saying to these players uh, to, to, to attract some guys that you feel like you can win with when you're sort of at the beginning stages of, uh, of what you call a, a rebuild? Well, I think with, with anything, you know, everybody always just tries to sell a vision, right? You know, when, when you're a car salesman, you just try to sell the car. You, you just see, you know, they, they, you get to see what's right in front of you. You know, but you never get to see what's inside of it. You know, you never get to see what kind of transmission it really is. You know, the car salesman just tells you, hey, this is what it looks like. You know, you got leather interior and you got a, uh, you know, a nice big screen on, on the dashboard for, for a radio station. You know, they don't, they don't really go into the nuts and bolts of it. You know, the one thing that, that I pride myself in is that I don't lie to kids. I'm upfront and honest with them. I tell them, hey, this is the way it is. You're either going to like it or you can walk out this door and you hate me. And that's perfectly fine. Um, but I will not sugarcoat it. And you can't sell a vision if you're not upfront and honest. And, you know, I love having parents in here because, again, we tell them, you know, we, you know, ever since I've started coaching, I have our, our you know, our, our principles, our, you know, what we believe in. We don't have a whole lot of rules here. Uh, I know that to some that may sound a little, what do you mean you guys don't have rules? Well, we don't. We have our principles. We have our foundations. And to me, it's your faith and your family is number one. Uh, two is your education. Three is baseball. And four is your social life. And that's the last thing I'm worried about. Um, you know, if you can prioritize prioritize your your time in, in that in that manner, uh, I think you can you can build. Um, you know, so it, it, the vision starts with with the understanding of this is how we get there. You know, everyone always wants to get to that end end, but they they don't want to put in that work in between. 
And that's the issue with the world we live in. You know, everyone wants to get a, you know, everyone wants to make a six figure salary. Well, you don't get a six figure salary by not making, you know, starting off at 20, 30, 40, 50, and then eventually getting there. So with everything it's work and getting the, the kids to believe in that, getting the parents to believe in that, um, you know, I think, you know, we do a good job of selling to the kids who we are as, as human beings. Um, you know, I'm a person that leads by example. You know, I'm not a coach that leaves here and goes out to the bars and hangs out at restaurants in town. You know, I live a pretty simple life because at the end of the day, my job is not about my paycheck. It's not about wins and losses. My job is, is I'm here for kids and I try to do everything I can for kids. Um, you know, and, and I think when, when parents hear that, um, you know, I think they, they like where their kid is going to be coming to school because they have a direction in life, not just on the baseball field, but in life. Uh, and I think, you know, I've always said it, you know, you can always win games by putting the right people out there. And, you know, coaches do have their favorites 100%. You know, we have some very talented kids in, in my mind, but those are still the kids that, that get good grades in the classroom. Those are the kids that show up early. They set up, help set up the field. They, they take it down. Um, they're out there picking trash with you on, on, on weekends that, that you don't have anything going on. They are the kids that will literally run through that wall for me uh, because they know I do the same damn thing. And that's how you, you wind up bringing these kids here. You know, and, and now that we've got a good foundation, these kids that come here on visits, you know, we, we work them out, we show them around, you know, we talk to them in the office. But then usually we like to bring kids in here, you know, that on days that we enter squad and we say, hey, we want you to hang, hang out with the guys. You know, we want you to talk with them because they are the best recruiters. It's not, they, they, you know, they heard everything they wanted to hear out of me. Um, but you get to hear it from, from the players that are within. Because again, if, if, if this is a, if, if I'm lying to you, these kids will, uh, they'll tell you, oh no, coach, he's full, he's full of it. You know, they, this is what we do. But they, they hang out with the kids and, and, you know, I think that's, that's what it's supposed to be. Uh, you know, they're, if they enjoy it here, they want to be here, um, they'll help the next kid to get here. So, uh, it's a family. It's, it's, you know, you call it what it is. It's, it's, it's one big family. So it, it's a, it's, you know, to be able to get kids here and, and have talent, you know, it, it takes everybody, not just myself, not just my coaches, but also the players um, and the people that are around. You know, it's uh, um, people, you know, the staff and faculty here on campus, they know me. Um, they know what I'm about. They know I can be a hard, hard person sometimes. And, and I am a very hard guy to play for, and but yet a very easy guy to play for. Um, but they can tell you exactly what I believe in and, and what I preach. So... Uh, that's how I think that's how we get kids here. Um, you know, it, it seems to have worked. We're, we'll continue it. Now the, the hard process is we've gotten to the point where we've had a little bit of success. Now it's maintaining that success. That's that's where it gets even tougher. It's curious to me that in 2021, you know, when baseball at the youth level is so much and I say youth level I just mean you know before college high school and below is so much about statistics and numbers and technology and um, just everything else that youth baseball has become about but you are still selling two of the top things that you're still selling with your program are faith and family absolutely well in, in, in my opinion nobody can ever come between faith, your faith and what you believe in, and your family. Uh, you know, faith is something that, that we don't teach here. Uh, it's, it's, it's something that we believe that everybody is entitled to their own opinions and beliefs and their foundations. Uh, you know, I was, I was raised, you know, Roman Catholic and I always make the joke here, you know, this is, we're the only private Christian school in the state of New Mexico. And I always tell everybody here, you know, you can make it as, as religious as you want or non-religious as you want. You know, uh, uh, I'm Catholic and, and this place will never tell me how to, how to be, when to be, who to be. Um, and I, and I firmly believe that. I think that's what makes America great is, is, you know, people are individuals. Uh, people get to believe in what they believe in. Um, 
You know, so I, I never come in between faith. I never try to try to tell the kids what they believe in, what they should believe in, um, how to believe in it. You know, uh, and of course, with the family is is you know, listen, I, I tell these kids that that you know, yes, I'm their dad away from home. I'll take care of them, nurture them along, I'll push them. You know, all that other good stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, I can't come in between this. You know, our kids and their parents. You know, their parents are so important to them. Um, their grandparents are, are so important to them. There's, there's things that I can never touch. Um, the only thing I can do is, is, is hopefully be a part of their family. Um, because that's ultimately what we're doing is welcome into my family. Um, so th- those are, those are things that, that, you know, any coach should never come in between, in my opinion. Um, but again, that's my belief, right? Um, those are two areas that, that man, they're really tough. Uh, no, nothing is important. Nothing is more important than those two items right there. Do you think kids still want that today? I mean, do, do kids, I mean, maybe, I don't know if it's different than it used to be or not, but do do kids still respond to that? Is this still something that, again, when, when a lot of other schools are going to sell you know, this is we have Rapsodo and Trackman and Blast Motion and this and that, like a, a team that, that talks about faith and family and those are two of the of the core values of this program do kids still want that stuff right now yes they just don't they just don't ever ask about it you know because again you're right we're we we live in a world that's that's you know very materialistic at times we we like to see the things that are right in front of us um you know but they don't like to people don't understand that, that there's a lot of things that that we need that need to be instilled in us um and again, you can have all the rap sodos and the blasts and, and all this stuff. It's great, great. Now, I'm not saying that, that they're not good, good things, but you still need to be a good person, have good work ethic to be able to, uh, improve those measurables, don't you? And, and, uh, because you just can't show up on, and get on a track, man, and, and, and swing and not understanding what you're doing and, and not believe in those other things and just say that you're going to get better. That's, that's just, again, the kids, they, they want that. Um, they want to be at a place where they can, they can feel a part of a family. Um, they know that, that when they come in this office that, that we care about them. Um, and to me, I think parents really want that. Um, because again, we live in a very materialistic world, you know, and, and they don't want to be lied to. Again, every kid that comes to campus, they just want to see, uh, the weight room, the field, you know, where they'd be living, eating, you know, they don't, they don't want to see all the other things that go into it, um, and that's why it's important that we instill those those other things are are the most important things of their lives. You know, and that's honestly what we tell them: the things that that you guys think that are the least important things in your lives will probably be the most important things of your lives. And that's a hard concept to understand. So, it absolutely is, but a, a great. A great message, and I'm sure that it, maybe it takes players even after you know several years after they've graduated for it to really sink in. But but you know those types of things that coaches, things like that that coaches do when players are on campus, I think make a difference for the rest of the kids' lives. Really, as as long as the you know the the players willing to listen while they're there, it might not really sink in, or they might not get it until later in life. Maybe it's because of there's a certain family situation that comes up, or they have kids of their own, or, or whatever it may be. But someday, a lot of players will look back and and just say that was right. I mean, this he, coach was right on. You know, he, this that's that that's the truth. Like what he was telling me was I didn't believe it at the time, or didn't didn't think it was that big of a deal. But but man, he was right on. Yeah, I mean, we, I mean, our, our guys can can tell you it, it's they don't they don't want to believe everything that comes out of my mouth right away, and that's okay. Um, there's a method to my madness in my head. Uh, we give them you know hidden messages all the time, and we always tell them you know that the quicker you guys can figure this stuff out, the quicker you guys will be successful in this field. Um, but you know, it, it's always fun. And here's the thing too: I think a lot of coaches don't don't talk about is we hear a lot of success stories about the kids that, that stay through the program, finish with the program and, and, you know, then they come back and, you know, obviously, you know, they invite you to their wedding and, you know, see their first child, child be born and, and stuff like that. No one talks about the kids that leave the program. And here's something that, that, 
you know, I think about, and, and these are the warm stories, I guess, is I had a kid that was here, oh, my first two years at USW, and he, he you know, maybe didn't get enough his playing time is what he wanted, uh, didn't really believe in, in a lot of the things that we were doing. Well, he came back, you know, he's back in town uh, this last this last summer, and uh, he said, hey, coach, I'm in town. I'm just wondering if I can come by the field and, and see. And I said, sure, absolutely. You know, and in my opinion, I, think, I don't think there's, there should be any grudges in life. Um, kids are kids, and, and they're going to take their past, and hopefully they learn from their past. But, you know, we, we were out there on the field, and he goes, you know, coach, he says, a couple of years ago, I, I just didn't believe you. He says, but coming out here, you know, you always told us that we were going to get to that 30-game mark. You know, you always told us that, you know, we'd have a new backstop and we'd have an indoor. And he's like, I didn't believe you. He's like, but coming out here now, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing it with my own eyes. And I said, yeah. And, and you know, and he said, uh, coach, I just want to say I'm sorry. And I said, sorry for what? I said, uh, you know, I don't think there's anything to be sorry about. And he says, well, I'm just sorry that, you know, I didn't believe. And I said, that's, that's not the point. I said, the point is that, you know, you've learned from a lot of things. You're understanding some things. So hopefully some of the things that I taught you that you didn't believe in a couple of years ago, you take with you now and that you can, you can establish that within your own life. And, you know, but I thought that was pretty cool because, you know, everybody always just talks about the success stories about the kids that make it within, but no one talks about the kids that leave. And, you know, it's, a, it's something that, again, we have kids that, that, that leave our program all the time and, and um, just like everybody else, we want them to be successful in life. So, When you impact guys that leave the program, that I think that means you're doing some things right. Uh, I, I'm curious with this message that you sell to kids at multiple programs in different places you've been, what kind of player do you end up with? You know, with this, the message that you sell and the, and when the kid comes on campus and you kind of give them your core values and you talk to them about like, you know, Hey, we're, we're going to, you're going to work hard here and, and you, uh, no, no guarantees of playing time, I'm sure. And you just kind of give them a realistic idea of what your program is going to be like. Who, what kind of kid, what kind of player do you wind up with? Um, you know, talent-wise, not only talent-wise, but just personality-wise. What sort of personalities do you end up with on the team with that, with the message that you give recruits? That's basically a blue-collar kid. You know, we 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 100% do not go after the kids that have been given everything in their life. Um, you know, um, we recruit a lot of kids that, that come from, from small towns that that don't have the money to maybe, you know, experience the, the club ball and, and, you know, all that extravagant stuff, you know, like a lot of these kids from bigger cities. Um, you know, we look at kids that, that are athletes, um, you know, but overall the kids that we believe that we have here are the kids that just work, you know, and then we tell them, you know, this is where you can get to, um, but you've got to do X, Y, and Z to get there. Um, so really, that's that's the type of kid that we have here overall. Is just a kid that's willing to to buy into to working, and and nothing will be handed to him. Um, you know, again, we have kids that that come in very talented as, as high school kids, and we've had some some pretty good junior college kids that transferred in, but they still they still want to get better. I don't know a whole lot of kids that that you know come in and say, you know, coach, I just want to I just want to stay the same, <laughs> you know, and. Uh, you know, so we, we get a lot of those kids that we see some things and we're like, man, that, this kid can really do something for us. I mean, it's just like, you know, the kid that we had, you know, last handful of years, JJ Cruzel. I mean, you know, he, this kid's five foot six and, you know, we seen him at a showcase and he was, he was 82, 83, you know, a little short, you know, quick arm action, but, um, you know, he, he wanted to increase his below and he wanted to, he wanted to be a, a dude, you know, at a, at a small school and, you know, he, he put in the work to be a dude at a small school. Uh, again, he, he was a kid that, that worked really quick and, and, you know, he wound up being an 84 to 86 mile hour guy and, and threw strikes. And, um, I think that's, that's the thing that we look for is just kids that want to come in here and work and kids that want to come in here and compete, uh, and kids that want to continue to build. So, um, you know, again, every every coach they want to go after the ninety four to ninety six mile hour guy. Uh, they want to go after the, the hitter that you know is, is ninety six to one hundred and two exit below. Um, they want an infielder that throws the ball ninety four miles an hour across the infield. Yeah, we. I, I mean, I'd take those kids, but 
you know, they still got to be kids that want to come in here and work. <laughs> so, um, and not all of them do. And especially I think the guys that get with the showcase world that we're in now, the, sometimes the bigger profile of the kid, uh, you know, the more that he gets treated like royalty in high school. And I'm sure it's a little bit of a wake up call. And I'm sure if that kid's going to Vanderbilt, he's not, you know, he's not walking into a program where he's going to be babied. He's going to walk into Vanderbilt and he's going to work his, you know, he's going to work his ass off. He's going to have to. Uh, but I'm, uh, I'm, I'm wondering almost if, if that kid has a harder time than the, the, some of the kids that you're talking about that are a little under recruited or from smaller towns, didn't get to play as much travel ball or, or on the big time teams or whatever, wondering if those guys almost have an easier time transitioning just because that's the world they've always lived in as opposed to, you know, the guy that goes to a Vanderbilt or a, or a Clemson or a, you know, a Texas or whatever that was, that's always been like the dude and has been in the showcase circuit going to national showcases, being told how good he is his whole life. And all of a sudden, He's got to work harder than he's ever thought about working every day at a program where he's surrounded by guys who are pretty much as good as he is. You know, he's going to have first rounders on the team on the field with him and first rounders in his conference. And I wonder if sometimes those guys uh, that that you're recruiting just because they've had to work a little bit harder their whole life, maybe have an easier time even transitioning into a program like you run. Uh, I think so. Uh... I do, you know. I, I, again, I, I think some of the kids with the, with the very high, you know, talent levels still succeed in life. Don't get me wrong, you know. But the, the kids that we bring in here again, you know, we, we I think it's it, I think it's set up to see which kids survive those programs, which kids make it through those programs. Because I, just like you know, here I'm sure you know the Vanderbilts and the Clemsons, they have kids that leave all the time, um, you know. And you're right. It, you know, the big thing that I think we preach here is, is our retention rate. You know, because if we feel it, we feel as though as if we can retain kids, we're, we're successful. Um, you know, we're, we're doing the right things with them. You know, I think we're, I think yes, programs are built on some of the kids that, that wind up believing and that means you're doing the right, the right thing. Uh, however, I think if you get kids to stay within your program, uh, those are the kids that are transitioning, you know, to become bigger, stronger, quicker, and they're understanding that process. Uh, they don't have to, they're just not getting by with their talents. Um, you know, so yes, that's a tough one because I don't want to put the, you know, the, the kids with some very high end talent, you know, down, you know, but yeah, I feel like we have a special kid. I feel like we have a kid when they come in here and when they leave here and we always tell them every kid will come in into this program as a boy. What we want them to do is leave as a man. Um, and we feel as though if you can leave as a man, you're ready to get out into the real world to be successful in life. And so you're right. I think there is a difference between us and, and a, and a big division one school because we are directing them to, to get ready for the real world. I think a little quicker. Um, you know, they, we, we, we're really upfront and honest with them. We tell them, Hey, you know, the baseball path after college is probably non-existent. And that's okay. Uh, just as long as, as you're the person that, that, um, stops that baseball and someone else doesn't stop it for you. So, uh, I think, you know, some of you go to some of these premier division one schools and, you know, their, their attention span is, is probably a little bit more on what they need to do in order to get drafted. Um, and that's fine too. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, it's just, it's gotta be done a different way here because again, um, it's just a different atmosphere. It's a different school. It's different, different dynamic. Coach, why do you recruit junior college players? You know, what's the benefit of doing that? Uh, does it bring like instant maturity? Is it guys that are that are ready to get in and compete right away? Is it just a way to, to fill holes when you know it, it would be a lot more difficult maybe to fill that hole with an incoming freshman? Like, what's the appeal to recruiting junior college players? Simple. I mean, yes, the maturity. They're 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 two years. They got two years underneath their belt. Um, you know, they've adapted to this game. They should be able to come in here and, and pick up this the schemes a whole lot quicker than a high school kid. Uh, just because a high school kid will come into to a college setting and you know the game's a whole lot quicker. It's fed up on them. Um, you know, it, it's it's just different. So I mean, if you're a college kid, yes, we're you know they're they're more mature. Um, they've been through it. They're probably a little bit tougher. Um, you know, they've, they've got to see what it's like to, to be an athlete from, from August to August. Um, you know, and, and they've played more games. 
You know, a junior college schedule is, listen, I played junior college baseball. I don't know if I could ever coach junior college baseball. Um, but I played it and man, you play a lot. And again, we always talk about the, the better we are, we think we need to play more. Uh, just like here, we try to inter squad as much as we can. Um, because there's nothing like being in between those lines and having somebody throw a pitch to you, you feeling that ball and throwing it across with a runner getting down the line. You can work on all the team stuff you want. Um, but if you're not doing in live action, to me, it's, it's kind of pointless, you know, and that's again, I, you know, we're in that predicament right now with, with our COVID restrictions in New Mexico and, and we didn't really have a team practices in the fall. Um, so we're trying to play as much right now, you know, just to get ready for when we get to play somebody, you know, outside of our, our school colors. So, uh, yeah, recruiting junior college kids about maturity is about playing time. You know, they get to play more. So, and the, you know, they get to lead a little bit more too. They, you know, that's, they know some of the tools they can, they can help guide those, those young kids that we, that we brought into this program. Is there a limit to the number of junior college players you like to bring in uh, for any reason, whether it's because just you don't want that much turnover or uh, you, you like you prefer to have a guy in the program for four years as opposed to two? Do you, do you limit it? I mean, do you, do you just recruit JUCO guys when you need to fill holes, or do you go into each season saying, like almost every season we're going to recruit you know, three, four, five junior college players or whatever? Do you, do you have an idea about that, or is that just like kind of a needs-based thing? But, you know, I would say with the dynamic that we have here and the structure that we have here at USW, um, I would say that it's probably a, a third. A third of our recruiting class every year is junior college kids and two-thirds of high school kids. Uh, I'm still a big believer in developing kids. Um, you know, we want to see, you know, you're right, we don't want to see as much turnover. But, however, if we if we bring in that good mix, we should have a good mix throughout all of our classes, you know, here on campus. Um, to me, it's a whole lot less about turnover and it's more about graduating. Uh, so I don't, I don't tend to look at that as much. Um, you know, the nice thing about junior college kids is usually you get them here and they're going to be here. Uh, they're not going to leave. So, you know, again, it, it's, there's an equation there, sure. Uh, I don't want all just junior college kids, no. Um, you know, and that belief there is, is we want high school kids that want to come in here and work. Uh, I think if you bring in too many junior college kids, then you're right. You have too much turnover too quick. Um, and I don't think you have a good, good mix of, of numbers within your classes. So a third is, is usually what we operate here at USW. With everything that we've talked about, we've talked a lot about the players and, and just kind of what you're selling to them. What about coaches? You know, I know that a programs programs don't get turned around just with the head coach and players. You've got to have assistants that are really driving this engine as well. And uh, to, you know, to hire those guys can't always be easy as well. I'm assuming that you don't have the best paying jobs on the planet. I'm assuming that you know you don't have uh, really amazing things to sell them, other than kind of the vision again that you talked about with your players. But what's your process? Uh, if you don't mind me asking this, just with hiring assistant coaches to make sure you're getting the right guy there. Like, how do you prepare them for what, you know, a Steve Appel baseball program is like to make sure that you're getting the right coaches, knowing that the right assistant coaches can make all the difference in the world between having a whole lot of success or having a mild amount of success or, you know, maybe things kind of falling apart because they don't do a good job recruiting, they don't do a good job of, um, uh, just kind of sticking with your plan. They don't. Maybe a guy has a good interview, but he doesn't really have the uh, the priorities, the vision, the, um, the the sort of moral fiber that that you instill in the team. How as a as a head coach do you circumvent that process and make sure that you're getting the right guys on the field to help coach your teams? Well, I mean, it, you know, again here at USW, we we have one full time assistant, and then we have. Uh, uh, a couple of GAs, um, you know, so our, our GAs, I mean, we, 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 obviously we, we look at bringing in kids that, that, uh, or young men that want to get into this for the right reasons, you know, but as far as for me, it's all about loyalty. Um, you know, it's, it's how well I treat them. And, and, and I think I get that in return, but just like recruiting kids, I'm upfront and honest with coaches and, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a hard guy to, to work for, but I'm a easy guy to work for. I just demand that, you know, they, they show up, 
they're, they, when they're here, they do their job to the best of their abilities and, and they leave, you know, when they leave campus, they're, they're good active people in the, in the community. Um, you know, I don't, I don't like headaches. Um, but you know, I, I think giving, giving coaches, you know, responsibilities, but also giving them the freedom to be coaches as well. Um, I'm not a coach that, I'm not a head coach that sits here and says, you're going to do this, you're going to do that, you're going to do this. Um, you know, I enjoy, you know, I have a great time, you know, hanging out with my coaches as far as in the office, talking baseball and talking, you know, everything. Um, and I think by, by allowing them to feel accepted um, and, and giving them some ownership on some things, and, you know, and just like Coach Thoreau, he's been here for, for a handful of years. I had an assistant before that, you know, Ethan Moffitt, who, man, that kid just worked his butt off and, and uh, you know, uh, you know, again, I want I want guys that want to come in here and do the things for the right reasons. Um, you know, if, if if I feel like they ever are starting to do things, you know, for for benefits of them, that's where I think it's it, it turns out not to be so good. Um, but overall, I, you know, we're we're a big family. We're you know, and that's another big selling point we talk to the recruits about is that hey, us coaches, I mean, we have a good time sitting in here. I mean, yeah, do we disagree on things? Absolutely, 100%. Um, but I also listen to things. Um, I take suggestions, um, you know, and, and, and I also give suggestions and, and, you know, critique them as well in a positive way. Um, but, you know, I want them, I want coaches to be able to fail. I know that sounds really harsh. You know, we want people to fail. Um, but in life, you're always going to fail. You know, on, on a baseball field, you you fail more as a player than you than you succeed sometimes. Um, you know, where else can you be a Hall of Famer and and be successful thirty percent of the time? So uh, you you want coaches to to go through some of those battles, but you know, I'm also a big believer. I want to teach them how to overcome those battles. Um, but yeah, I give I give coaches ownership of of you know what their what their responsibilities are. I mean, uh, Coach Durrell. I mean, he's a big thing with him is his, his academics and. I've, I've stressed, you know, how important they are to me. Um, you know, again, every coach has the responsibilities on the field, but, you know, he's, he's really taken ownership of the academic stuff because he's found out how important they are. Um, and that's, that's why the kids are here. They're here to get an education. So, um, but again, it's, it's the loyalty factor. If you, if any coach has good, loyal coaches, they will be successful. Um, you know, it's it's just a, a big. You know, it, it's a position of cooperation. Uh, if you get coaches that cooperate and coaches that communicate, how can you not be successful? So, if you have a coach who is is teaching something that you don't believe is going to be successful, but the coach is really he buys into it or, or maybe it's something new that he wants to try. Maybe he's like, I, I really think this is going to be a better way for us to do it. And maybe you disagree. You, you don't think it's going to work, but you just, you know, you said that you like these coaches to have an opportunity to try things and fail. At what point do you, as the head coach, do you ever step in and just say, just, let's just say it's not something extremely, extremely important. Maybe there's just like a, maybe it's the way they're going to, they're going to turn double plays at second base or like the, how, how the second baseman is going to turn a four, six, three, or a five four three. I'm sorry, a, a six four three or a five four three. The second baseman's footwork, and you're just like, that's not. It's not going to work. It's not how I, I think it's going to work. How how much leeway do you give these guys? Like, at what point do you step in as a head coach and say, if ever, at what point do you step in and say, look, I, I see what you're what you're doing and what you're thinking, but I just don't think it's going to work. I don't think I don't want you to try it, or like I I think you need to do it another way. Or how long into the season do you wait? Just say there's a hitting philosophy. That that maybe is new or something new that a coach is trying, and and you know how many games into a season do you stop and say, look, man, that's not working. Like we we got to go back to doing. We got to do something different to change this around. How how much leeway exactly do coaches have? How much time do they have to fail before you step in and say, time to change something here? Well, you know, I, I don't, you know, for us, I don't think it gets there a whole lot just because we talk about things you know on a weekly basis before we we go out and instruct, um, you know, where it's a good, good time to sit here and, you know, again, I'll even tell the coaches why I'm doing certain things with, with certain people. Um, but it, it doesn't really get there a whole lot on the field. I mean, yes, there's, there's always, 
in this game, there's always new things to learn and new things to try, you know, so I'm always open to it. Um, but it, obviously, it's, it's to me, I think it's pretty simple. If it doesn't work, you know, first couple of times, I think it's time to scratch it and, and move on. Um, so I think it's all about adapting. Um, you know, there's things that I want to try, and, and I myself have to critique what, uh, what I'm doing uh, to say, you know, this really isn't working for him. But, you know, it is working for this other kid. So maybe we, we just keep doing it for this kid and, 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 and change something for that other kid. Um, you know, so again, and I think it even goes beyond that. I think in the hiring process of these coaches, if, if coaches are not asking what their beliefs are in, in certain things, I don't think a, a head coach is doing their due diligence in that hiring process. So, um, again, there's so many ways to teach the game. But honestly, if they're if they're teaching it the right way, I guess the simple way, um, you know, I, I let them do whatever they need to do. Um, I know it's really hard to understand, but again, it, I don't let them say, "Hey, you know what, Jacob, you got you got the outfielders, just do whatever you want," um, you know. And then if it's not working twenty games down, then then we got to change things. Now we we usually talk about it before. You know, so we, we have drill set stuff that day. I mean, we'll talk about it the week before and what we want to accomplish and how we got to accomplish it. And then we usually run with it. Um, so we talk about a lot of that technique stuff before it's actually been taught. Um, and I think that's, that's where the coaches get, get a lot of trust with me is, is they're okay bringing this stuff up and, and saying, what do you think before it's being done? And if you don't love it. <laughs> If someone wants to do something, wants to try something, and and you've you have maybe seen uh, something else succeed, or maybe you've seen someone try that and it hasn't succeeded, are you having a conversation right then and there to say, I just don't think that's going to work, or or at that point where you say, you know, I haven't seen it work much, but you know, go ahead and try it, see what happens. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll do the second avenue, you know, and 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 never will I ever, you know, while a coach is out there, you know, instructing if I see something that I don't like. I don't, I, I don't ever, you know, talk to them right then and there. Usually we'll talk about it the next day. Um, and just like we, we would with a lot of other things, you know, uh, um, you know, I think it's demeaning when, when a head coach really oversteps and, and kind of ridicules someone else, uh, in front of other people. So I try not to do that, you know, at all. Um, you know, but again, we, we try lots of different things. I mean, that's, that's the beautiful thing about this game is there's many ways of teaching so many different things. Um, and, and mainly because I really believe in that, that we're not here to teach robots. You know, you can't just teach one thing and one thing only to the entire team. I think there are certain things that work for some guys and there's certain other things that work for these other guys. So I think that coaches need to explore different things as well. Very great. This is Steve Appel, everybody. He's the head coach at the University of the Southwest, an NAI school in Hobbs, New Mexico. This has been a really enjoyable podcast, Coach. Is there anything that we did not talk about today that, that you want to add in at the end? or any, and just, you, you want to wrap this up in any way? I just wanted to make sure that I touched on things that, that you wanted to touch on in this podcast. Well, I think if people know me, I could probably talk for hours and hours and hours. So, uh, you, know, you know, maybe in the future there's a chance for another one. We can get into some other subject areas. And, um, you know, I, I think the message that I want to send – um, to other young coaches that are getting into this game, and this is something that, that I really firmly believe in, is is you don't ever do this for yourself. Um, you know, my message clearly to everybody is that um, it's never about I. And, and, you know, I don't coach this game because of me. I don't coach this game ever for fame or fortune. Uh, we coach this game because, we A, we enjoy the game, we love the game. Um, but, B, because we love kids. And that's, I think if, if we have that idea instilled in our brain, I think we'll be successful no matter the wins and losses on the field, but just in life. And I think that we need to get back on track with that in, in society as a whole. Um, you know, especially you looking at these times where, where kids are kind of, you know, down in the dumps because they're not getting to play as much right now with maybe COVID and everything else that's going on in the world. Um, I think there needs to be a lot of people that step up to be leaders and, and, and really start, you know, doing things for kids and, and being a little bit of selfless individuals. Um, so that's a big message that I've always, always spoke about with my coaches, my players is, um, 
you're never in this for yourself. The minute you, the minute that you start doing things for yourself is the minute that you ought to get out of this game. What an awesome message, and a great message for young guys to hear. You know, young coaches, they uh, a lot of times just have uh, different priorities than, than they would probably have if they coach for another 10, 15, 20 years. You have different priorities, different, I think just a different frame of mind, different perspective when you get a little bit older. And to hear that message as a young coach from someone like yourself, I'm sure, means a great deal. This is Steve Appel, everybody. Again, uh, Coach, I, I want to just sincerely thank you for being here and being a part of this. I, I love the message that you have for players, for coaches. I love the path that you've taken. And uh, this has been a, a very, very enjoyable hour for me. Absolutely. Love every minute of it.